0: Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler and I have no co today. Curtis, he's busy finishing up his very last final exam to close out his first year of law school. And Charlie, I tried to get her on the show today, but she had some work obligations to attend to. So I will be the one administering your Georgia football fix today here on the podcast. And today on the show, we are going to be talking some football recruiting with live college sports still at a standstill. There's been a little bit of momentum over the past couple of weeks, but obviously still nothing definitive. So with live college sports essentially still just standing still, recruiting has stepped into the spotlight for the time being. And and that's usually the case over the summer, uh, but even more so with everything shut down. And now obviously, even with recruiting, there are still some very serious restrictions and adjustments that are having to be made on exactly how coaches are able to go about recruiting how prospects can go about getting information about the different schools but make no mistake about it recruiting never sleeps guys it never does even during a pandemic apparently because it is truly the lifeblood of a college football program coaching matters don't get me wrong it does but it's more about the Jimmys and the Joes than it is about anything else. And the NCAA has recently, they've actually loosened some of the restrictions on recruiting teams, still can't host any prospects for visits of any type, which really obviously makes things very difficult. But the NCAA, to their credit here, I know we don't get the NCAA credit very often, and understandably so, that's their own fault. But here they, they've instituted some temporary policies, that kind of give at least a little bit of relief that allow prospects to get as much of a feel for a program as they can without actually visiting campus. Um, so now uh, anyone associated with an athletic program with, with the football program can actually call recruits directly. Usually that's it's very circumscribed on uh, in regards to who exactly can call these prospects directly, but now they've kind of removed those restrictions. Uh, current players on the roster right now can actually get on video calls with prospects and recruit them directly. So so basically what the NCAA is doing is they're giving recruits the chance to interact with all the people they normally would get a chance to interact with if they actually had a chance to visit campus. So I know it's not the same thing as a visit, but at least they're loosening some of the restrictions to allow the prospects to get as much of a feel as they can right now considering the circumstances. So yeah, Recruiting is still very much going on and today, sticking with the theme of recruiting, I'm going to reveal my initial 2021 Top 10 Most Wanted Prospects list. Uh, Initially, uh, I've been planning to do this for a little while, but I was going to wait to do this until after the camp season. Because that's when I can kinda of get a chance to see these guys up close and personal at the rivals camp visits, the opening camp visits, some of the seven oh seven camps up here in Athens over the the early parts of the summer. But that's clearly not happening this year with with the current circumstances surrounding the coronavirus, COVID-19, all that stuff. So with Curtis and Charlie both indisposed today, now is as good of a time as ever to get to it. So uh, let's do it. I've ramped up my huddle tape study since the lockdown, and I've got my current top 10 ready to go. I do want to emphasize that obviously this is very subjective. This is my list. I'm not just following the recruiting rankings or anything like that. I'm going by my own eye test. And I took a number of factors into consideration when I put this list together. You've definitely got to start with the talent. You got to start there. But I also consider positional needs, scheme fit, and the like, things like that into these rankings. I also factored in whether we had a legit shot landing the guy Otherwise, if I was just taking the top 10 uh, best players out there in the country, I would have just copied and pasted the top 10 players for the 247 composite, dusted my hands, and been done with the whole thing. Uh, that's not what I did here. This list is guys that, at least to my knowledge, as far as I know, and I, I'm not a recruiting writer, so I don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes, but based on the knowledge that I do have right now, these are guys that we are still actively recruiting, and we are serious contenders for. It doesn't mean we're necessarily leading for these guys, but we are still very much in the the thick of it and in the conversation. Uh, And I'm sure that you guys will agree with some of these rankings and I'm sure you will disagree with others. And, And that's great. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter and that's at glory underscore UGA to let me know where I got it right and where I got it wrong. I love a good football discussion, so do not be shy there. love to interact with you guys on social media. So we will get to all that in about... 30 seconds but real quickly I want to thank all of you for listening into and supporting our show even in the midst of a pandemic and all the uncertainty surrounding college football right now uh, you guys are awesome you, you are and we appreciate each and every one of you guys and if you do enjoy the show and you listen to us on apple podcast we, we hate to ask you to do anything else to support us but it would be awesome if you could help us out in just one more small way by rating and reviewing our show if you have not done so already Uh, if you find yourself bored and a lot of people are out there with just nothing to do and you're kind of stuck at home during this whole nightmare of a pandemic uh, it will take you probably less than 10 to 15 seconds to hit that five-star review button and maybe i don't know an extra one or two minutes to type a quick review Uh, the one-star trolls they've been added again and we would uh, we just love we'd love to get back to our normal five-star rating but We need your help to do that because uh, those ratings and reviews really do help out the show more than you would think. So uh, yeah, if you are so inclined, we would really appreciate your help there. But uh, all right, let's get to my initial 2021 Most Wanted Prospects list. Now, this is the first edition of the 2021 Most Wanted list. It's the initial one. I I will update this periodically. At least that's the plan throughout the cycle as guys commit and there's new information and new names emerge. But for now, as of May 11th, 2020, these are my top 10 most wanted, uncommitted by the way, prospects in the 2021 class. And I'm going to start at the bottom and work my way up. And I'm actually going to start just outside the list with a few honorable mentions that just barely missed out on making the list. But these are still guys that I am really high on and I would love to have them end up on our commit list at some point. And the first guy here on our honorable mention list is a running back out of Texas, a guy named LJ Johnson, 5'10, 204 pounds. And he's a guy when I was talking, I did a show on running backs about a month ago when we had uh, the commitment from Carroll. And at that time, I kind of gave you guys a rough outlook of my top five or six running backs that were on like my personal recruiting board. And I didn't mention LJ Johnson. I was vaguely aware of him, but I didn't think that we were recruiting him as heavily as maybe we were some of those other guys you just didn't hear us mention as prominently when it came to his recruitment but now that you have some of these other running backs that I was really high on that are kind of off the board at this point obviously we're still recruiting them behind the scenes and nothing is is finalized until they actually sign that letter of intent they sign that piece of paper so we are certainly capable of flipping some of these guys but you have guys like Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor who both have come into Ohio State and I was really high on both those guys they were both in my top three I believe uh, then we've had Cody Brown, who I thought was a, uh, and he's kind of a, a controversial prospect. I think he's a really good player. He's certainly not a home-run type player in terms of his breakaway speed, but I still think he can be a good SEC back. He's off the board now. He's committed to Tennessee— so now the dynamic has kind of changed at the running back position in terms of uh, our Georgia football recruiting board, that running back spot. And LJ Johnson's a guy, and I, I'm sure that I know that we have been recruiting him all along behind the scenes, but you just didn't hear as much talk when it came to uh, reports from recruiting writers, things of that sort, when it came to us and LJ Johnson. But now that certainly seems to be the case. You see us mentioned more prominently in his recruitment. So he's a guy that's now firmly on my radar. And I think he's a really good running back. He just barely missed out. Out on my top 10. In fact, he would have been number 11. He's got very, very good speed. He runs in the low 4-4 range, and that was timed as a sophomore. So this guy has legit breakaway home run type speed, an explosive running back. Uh, but I would say outside of that, he does have that home run speed. I don't know, and, he has, and he's really good in every other category. He has really good vision, good explosiveness, uh, he has good balance, he has ability to run with some power, but I don't know if he's elite in any of those categories outside of his speed, but I think he's really, really, really good in all of those categories. So He's still not number one on my running back recruiting board, but he is certainly moving his way up that list, and he's just a hair outside my top 10 most won list. He's a very good player, and he's a guy that I hope that we continue to recruit very, very hard. Uh, Next up, I have an offensive lineman, a guy named Dylan Fairchild out of West Forsyth here in the state of Georgia. He's a good looking prospect, 6'5, 298, ranked number 158 nationally. And he's a really powerful offensive lineman. What I really like about Fairchild is that he's powerful. But he's also a good athlete. And I think a big part of that is the fact that he has wrestling in his background. I'm huge on wrestlers when it comes to playing football, especially on the offensive line, because those guys more often than not, if you're actually like competent as a wrestler in high school, you are going to be, number one, you're going to be tough. And that is a critical attribute along the offensive line, especially in the SEC. But more than that, again, if you're good at it, you're going to be tough, you're going to be powerful, and you're going to have some athleticism, more so than your average offensive lineman. That's just what wrestlers have to be able to do. They're kind they're of, It's kind of bred in them. So uh, I really love all of that about him. He's also very technically sound for a high school offensive lineman. A lot of times when it comes to offensive linemen at the high school level, these guys just get by with being bigger and stronger and batter than the guy in front of them until they come up against a guy that matches them physically. And let's be honest, most of these big offensive linemen who are SEC caliber, they're not going to be matched up against guys that come anywhere close to them physically very often. Maybe once you get in the playoffs, or if you play, uh, like, like here in the state of Georgia, you play 7A ball, you play in Region 8, or, or you play in Region 1, one of those powerful regions, then, then you might have a guy every now and then on one of those top-level teams that can come close and matching you, but it's just not going to happen on a week-in and week-out basis. So a lot of times, again, the offensive linemen just get by on sheer brute force and just by virtue of of size and power. They're just bigger and stronger than these guys that they go up against. You don't see as much from a technical standpoint, but I don't think that's the case with Farah And I'm not saying he's a finished product by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he's more advanced technically than your average offensive lineman at that stage in his career. He plays really great leverage, really solid balance, has a good base that he works from, really good with his hand placement. He locks on, extends his arms, uh, but doesn't overextend himself, which you see a lot of times offensive linemen at that stage too. He doesn't do that very often, so I really like what he has from a technical standpoint as well. Uh, he's a guy that, I, I, and actually looks like we're trending with him right now. I would not be shocked to see him on our commit list sometime over the summer, and he is a guy that I think we should all be very excited about. He does not get as much publicity as some of the other offensive lineman that we are very high on a guy for instance that i will mention a little bit later i'm sure you guys know who i'm talking about uh but fairchild i think is a guy that that certainly should get some respect out there and if he if he doesn't come to here in here the next couple weeks or month or so i think we should all be very very excited about him all right next up we got a couple i got a trio actually of outside linebacker pass ed, basically edge rusher prospects and we're going to start with dallas turner he's a guy that i think is that is really long he's an explosive edge rusher out of traditional powerhouse St. Thomas Aquinas down in in South Florida and he's a really impressive athlete a really impressive Looking edge rusher at this stage in his career, he's really lanky. He has some room to fill out, but he has a great frame, and and he's just a a really solid, explosive pass rusher at this stage in his career. He's a guy that I think his best football is still very much ahead of him. If you get him into a college weight program, this guy could turn into an absolute monster. Uh, He's ranked inside the top 100. He's at number 90 nationally in the 247 composite. I'm not saying we're leading for this guy, but I think we're. I know I know for a fact that we are recruiting him heavily, and we are certainly very much in that conversation. Uh, the next pass rusher that I have here, he's actually a guy that doesn't necessarily play outside linebacker in high school, at least like a 3-4 edge rusher, but I think that's where he projects at the next level, and that's Chaz Chambliss out of Carrollton, 6'2", two, 240 pounds, number 250 nationally. I think he's a little bit better than number 250 nationally, uh, and when I watch Chambliss play, and I, look, I know people are going to flip out when I say this name because I they're going to say, how can you possibly say he's David Pollock? And I'm not saying that. But I do see, when I see him play, I see the style of David Pollock. I see a little David Pollock in Chaz Chambliss's game. I think he's actually a, maybe a little bit better athlete than Pollock was coming out of high school. Certainly not as big, not the same position. Pollock was a truth 4-3 defensive end. But Chambliss is a guy that I, I see Pollock's style in his game. He's a violent, aggressive player. Pl- absolutely plays with an edge. Has to grind. Uh, maybe not the most athletic guy in the world, but plays with an extraordinarily high motor when you watch him all tape now right now at this stage at Carrollton at least as of as of last year he plays more off the ball a more of an off the ball inside linebacker position uh doesn't play with his hand in the dirt very much but when he does and he has shown that on tape when he does do that don't see it often when he does He does showcase some impressive skills. He attacks the blocker. He has an explosive first step. He can rip and shed and get to the quarterback. So he's a guy that even though he might not be polished at that position right now, because he doesn't play it as consistently as I think he will at the next level. I do think he projects as a pass rusher and edge guy. Uh, at the next level, once he gets into that kind of program, gets uh, that kind of coaching, I think he has the requisite skill set, and plus just the the mental makeup, the the violence, the aggressiveness, the motor to be a really pro- productive player for us if he does end our commit list. And he's a guy, another guy, kind of like Fairchild, that from everything I'm hearing, and look, I don't know, I don't, you guys know, I don't call these guys, I'm not a recruiting reporter, but I follow recruiting uh, reporters and I and I pay very close attention to what they're saying and kind of try to piece together the puzzle pieces there. And it seems that, like, what, from what I'm hearing right now, Chambis is a guy that I would be watching for over the next couple weeks, month or so, at some point in the summer, a guy that could certainly pull the trigger at any time. And I, and I would be very excited, just like Fairchild, to get him on the commit list as well. And then the third of the outside linebacker trio that uh, that I'm going to put on my honorable mention list here is a guy named Quentin Somerville out of Arizona. Uh, not quite as big as Turner or Chambliss, 6'1", 230, uh, number 102 nationally. Uh, he, he's a guy who uses his hands very well, very solid quickness off the ball, maybe not like an overwhelmingly explosive first step. He actually looks bigger than 6'1", when you watch him on tape. He's got kind of a bigger, more powerful, powerful build, uh, but he's a guy that I know that we're recruiting. I, I know he's from way out west, but hey, we did get Keely Ringo from Arizona last year, so if he's a guy that we really turn the heat up for, and I, I don't know what level of heat we have turned up on him right now. But if we really want to get heavily involved, I think he's a guy that we could uh, be very deep in the conversation for. And uh, he'd be in that trio with Dallas Turner, Chambliss, uh, as well as some outside linebacker prospects to watch for right now to kind of pair along with Elijah Judy, who's already on our commit list, who I am extraordinarily high on. We talked about him. A little bit last week but uh, all right so I didn't want to spend too much time on the honorable mentions but I did those guys were guys I felt were good enough to at least warrant mentioning them and talk about them a little bit because I think they could all end up at the tail end of this top 10 list uh and certainly as as things progress through the summer and some guys start, start committing and I, and I start to update this list a couple of those guys are could very well find their way into my top 10 most won list. But okay, as for the actual top 10 most won list, we're going to kick it off here at the bottom and work our way to the top. We're going to start with number 10 and coming in at number 10, and some of you are going to probably be surprised that I have the guy that's this highly ranked coming in at the bottom of my top 10 most won list, but I will certainly explain that. And that's Mr. Tony Grimes from the Virginia Beach area, six foot, 180 pound defensive back, ranked number seven nationally in the 247 composite. And I say defensive back and not corner because I, I think he projects as a cornerback at the next level. I think that would be his best spot at the college level, but he doesn't play a lot of it at high school. He plays more safety than he does cornerback right now at high school. I've seen him line up at cornerback at times, but most of his tape is him playing safety. He is a plus athlete, a very fluid plus athlete. He reminds me of like, he's maybe a more athletic, faster version of Damian Swan. If you guys remember him from a couple years ago, just the way they move, uh, the fluidity in their movements. And that's something that I'm very high on when it comes to cornerbacks and, and defensive back prospects in general, because I think that's a, a kind of a requisite skill to be able to flip your hips and redirect like that. And that fluidity plays a big role in you becoming a, a high level defensive back. If you don't have that, I mean, you can play back there, but you can certainly be a vulnerability for your defense. He also has great closing speed, showcasing that from the safety position. He's not a huge guy at only six foot, 180 pounds, but while he doesn't have the biggest frame, He has really, really good length. I mean, his arms are very long for a guy that's only foot, 180 pounds. And uh, if you factor that into the equation with the fact that he plays safety most of the time in high school, but also showcases the ability to play in the slot a little bit as a star and also out wide at, at the cornerback position, he has a lot of position versatility. And if you look at the trend with our defensive back recruitment since Kirby Smart's gotten here, it's those guys that that can play both spots can play actually all three spots can play safety can play star can play cornerback Kirby wants that versatility and I think that Grimes brings that to the table I don't really love him in at the star position I don't really think he's going to be a factor there because I don't know if he's big enough right now to hold up consistently in run support which is something our star position has to be able to do I don't know if he has that in him right now with kind of a slider frame but he does even though he doesn't really play cornerback one thing that I do love about him, and I think this is why I, I think he projects more as a cornerback than safety at the next level, is he showcases cornerback-level skills. He explodes really well out of his back pedal. He has really fluid hits, kind of go on with the general fluidity in his game. And those are things that, if you can do those two things you can be a really good cornerback in the SEC. And, I, and I've seen him do that on tape. So he's a guy that, I, that I'm really high on. And again, while he might not, might not be the biggest guy, and I don't like him at the star position, he's still a willing and aggressive tackler out there uh, on the edges if he's playing cornerback or coming up and run support from the safety position. Just not the biggest guy in the world. But he's a guy that's in the top 10 nationally right now. And uh, he is one that certainly, certainly made it into my top 10 most wanted list. I know a lot of you probably expect him to be a little bit higher considering he's ranked top 10 nationally, but uh, I don't know if that position as is as much of a need right now. I think we have some high-level prospects there, and while I think he's a really, really good prospect, I don't know if he's a top 10 level guy, honestly. I think he's more of like a top 30 level type guy, so I know we're splitting hairs, uh, and if we got him, I'd be over the moon if we got Tony Grimes. I think he can be a really, really good defensive back for us. I just think he might be ever so slightly overrated inside the top 10. But doesn't mean I don't want him. I still really, really want the guy. I just don't know if he's a top 10 player nationally right now based on what I've seen. That's without me having seen him in person. I will say that. Uh, But moving on here, number nine, we've got a guy from here in the Classic City, Dion Colsey, a wide receiver from Athens Academy, 6'4", 193 pounds, great frame, number 45 nationally. And people... I don't hear a lot of people talk about Dion Colsey as much as I think he should get talked about. I think this guy is undervalued right now. He has incredible length. He has a really kind of tantalizing size, speed, athleticism combination. I mean, at six foot four, this guy runs a four five, 40 yard dash, and, and, and in that frame, as and he ran that time as a sophomore in high school. I mean, that is a laser timed. 40 yard dash at the opening regional as a sophomore running in the low four five range. He also at that same opening regional ran a 4-2-5 short shuttle again at six foot four. That is some really good short area quickness for a guy that tall. And he's also a state medalist high jumper. So again, if you if you throw that all in there, the size, the speed, the athleticism, that combination, this guy has the potential to be a big time wide receiver at the next level. And for comparison's sake, I know a lot of you guys out there like comparisons. I think he compares maybe to like a Denzel Mims from Baylor last year who got taken. I think he got taken in the second round. But regardless, I think physically that's a good comparison. I know Mims is a little bit heavier than Colsey is right now. But again, Colsey is a, is a rising senior in high school. Mims is in the NFL but they, they have a similar physical profile just looking at the guys their bodies look very similar and I think they have a similar game in terms of r- having really good speed the ability to go up and win at the top of the route good overall athleticism so that size speed athleticism combination I see a lot of that in Dion Colsey he has the ability to separate from uh, from opposing defenders he can track the ball in the air shows really strong hands when he finds it goes up and wins at the top of the route now one thing I will say about him and I, I do think this has to be mentioned we about Deion Coles and evaluating the kind of prospect that he is. I'm very high on him because I see him do things that you need to be able to do to perform at a high level, the wide receiver position at the next level. But he does play in single A private here in the state of Georgia at Athens Academy, where let's be honest, guys, I'm not saying there's not good football played there. There are some good teams, but a lot of those teams... They just, uh, they don't have the prospects, all right? They just don't have the dudes. Um, And a lot of the guys he goes up against are just, they're really just no match for him. In fact, like when you watch his tape and you put it on and you see some of the guys that he's going up against, you're like, are we sure that guy's not eight years old? Like, are, are we sure he's not eight years old? Uh, and, and, and obviously, uh, some of that's because Coles is just a bigger dude, but really, some of those guys are just incredibly small. So that does factor into my ranking with him just a tad because I haven't had, him, had a chance to see him go up against high-level talent. And I hate to count that against him because that, that's not his fault. It doesn't take away from how good he is. But without having seen him go against high-level competition, I have unfortunately not had the chance to see him in person even though he lives in Athens, I live in Athens to go watch them play. But uh, on on tape, he's dominant. There's no doubt, and it, it, he does perform really well against high level competition. When you when he plays against the higher level teams in single A private, against the Eagles Landings and the Prince Avenues of the world. But still, the fact remains: overall, throughout the season, he doesn't play against best competition. He is almost always the best player on the field every single time he steps out there, and that's great but I do want to see him go up against other elite-level prospects and see what he's able to do there. But Regardless, when you watch the guy play, he's a freakish-type player and has the ability to be a really, really high-level wide receiver on the next level. He's a guy that I absolutely want on our commit list. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Moving on here, we have uh, another wide receiver coming at number 8 on my list, and I actually went back and forth with Colsey and this guy, and, and I ultimately... Went with Mario Williams just a hair ahead of Colsey. And Mario Williams is a a very different kind of receiver than Colsey. He's certainly not the the, the big, long type guy. He's more of a shorter, speedier, quicker guy. He's 5'10", only 165 pounds, out of the state of Florida, Plant City High School, and he's number 40 nationally in the 247 composite. He actually just got moved up to a five-star in the rivals ranking. So I don't know if that's been reflecting the overall two four-seven composite, because that just got updated today. So he might have actually moved up even higher. But Mario Williams, when you watch this guy play, what you see is explosiveness, explosiveness, explosiveness. That is what this guy brings to the table. He is short, no doubt, only 5'10, but he's not slight. Like you see 5'10, 165, and you're like, dude. That's a small guy, and yeah, normally it would be. And I, I question if he's really only 165, because you, when you watch him on tape, he just looks a little thicker than that. I don't know how recent those uh, those measurements are. Uh, he's short, there's no doubt, but I think he's a little thicker than 165. But regardless, uh, he plays bigger than 165 on tape. Um, he has the footwork and quickness to be able to win off the line of scrimmage. I know sometimes when you're not as big and you play outside and not always in the slot, he does play in the slot. Sometimes they also play him out wide at Plant City. Uh, and that's tough at times, the guy that size, because you're not as big, it's tougher for you to win off the line of scrimmage, you can easily get jammed and pressed there at the line, but he's so quick, has such great footwork, that he is able to win off the line of scrimmage, even though he's uh, smaller than most cornerbacks that he goes up against, Uh, he's extraordinarily twitchy, has big playability in spades, and so does Colsey, don't get me wrong, so does Colsey, but Williams, I mean, he is just explosiveness personified. And, and the reason I have him over Colsey right now, and again, I went back and forth between these two. I think, I mean, it, it's just, there's very little separation between the two guys. It's really kind of just a personal preference thing, I guess. Uh, and for me, I, I'm not even sure that Williams is a better player than Colsey. What was the deciding factor for me when it came down to it? Is, is again, just kind of what I was saying when I kind of broke down Colsey. I've just seen Williams do it against higher level competition. So I have maybe just a little bit more of a confidence level there based on that fact and that fact alone. he's he's more and I, I might say he's maybe a little bit more polished right now as a true wide receiver. But I do think that Colsey has the higher upside. I think his size, again, that size, speed, athleticism combination, once he puts it all together, and he's getting very close to doing that, I think Colsey has the higher upside. But right now, Williams, uh, just by virtue of the fact that he plays against higher level competition right now, I'm going to give him the ever so slight edge over Colsey. But again, just just take your pick there. They're, to me, they're, they're very, even though they, they don't have the exact same kind of game in terms of their ability to be an impact player at the next level, I think they're both right there on the same level
0: Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
1: Uh, moving on, uh, next up here, coming in number seven on my top 10 most long list, I actually have a tied in. I know it's kind of weird. To have a tight end over two wide receivers who I'm very high on but I am extraordinarily high on Brock Bowers as a tight end he's a guy at six foot three 225 pounds out of Napa out in California he's number 101 nationally and I think he's a guy that stands to move up move up a lot Because uh, 247, and they're like their own individual rankings without the composite, because they do their own rankings too. They have him at number 53 nationally, while Rivals has him unranked nationally. And here's the thing Rivals is updating their rankings throughout this week. So I would anticipate him moving well inside the top 100 in the 247 composite because if he moves up in the Rivals rankings and they kind of close that gap between where 247 has him ranked and where Rivals has him ranked which I think should get rectified to some degree uh, when they reveal their updated rankings uh, Rivals does this week then I think he will move well inside the top 100 in the 247 composite after this week so just keep your eye on that for a minute but regardless rankings don't really matter all that much but I know a lot of people look at those so I just wanted to throw that out there Um, I personally he's more than a top 100 player. Uh, what they do with him at Napa, is, I mean, they line this guy up all over the field. I mean, he is a true new age tight end. He absolutely is. I mean, he plays in line. He can play out in the slot. He actually can play outside. Uh, they play him in the H-back position. I mean, he constantly wins. Whatever alignment they have him in, he consistently wins in whatever alignment it is. Whether he's playing H-back, outside, slot, in line, it doesn't matter who he's matched up against, he wins. And I love him. And the reason I say he's a new age tight end is because he has elite level athleticism for a tight end without sacrificing the ability to be an inline blocker because he absolutely can do that as well. But his athleticism is what stands out for me. I mean, this guy, he he plays tight end by trade, don't get me wrong, like that's his primary position. But he legitimately takes snaps at tailback and does it very very well if you didn't know if you like turn on their tape and you saw this guy take a handoff from uh, the tailback position and you didn't know that he was primarily a tight end you would think oh yeah this guy's a good tailback that's what you would think watching him he's that he's that athletic I mean he has the ability to make people miss in the open field he has short area quickness that you just simply do not see from tight ends you just at least at this level it's extraordinarily rare and again, I, I, I'm going to make a comparison here. I'm not going to say he is this guy, but just the level of athleticism that he brings to the table, he reminds me of a, of a guy. His game is similar to a guy like Travis Kelsey. Again, I'll say that. It's similar to a, a guy like Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying he's as good as Kelsey. Certainly not. That guy is as good as it gets in the NFL, like literally as good as it gets in the NFL. But he has that kind of game. and you. And if you have the right offensive system, this guy can be an absolute game changer I absolutely believe that 100% too and I I believe and I told you guys thought Darnell Washington last cycle was a game-changing type tight end I still believe that but if you can match Brock Bowers up with a guy like Darnell Washington oh my god whoo Watch out, man! Uh, And like, I don't know if we're gonna be able to get him, but I know that we are heavily involved in his recruitment, and he is strongly considering us. He's actually made a visit all the way here to Athens. He, uh, I think, I saw it somewhere. I want to give credit to who said this or who reported this. I can't remember who it was at the top of my head, but uh, whoever it was reported that he essentially said that. Athens reminded him a lot of Napa, and that was a good thing. So I know that we are heavily involved in this recruitment, and um, and we very well could land this guy. I'm not saying we will, but we certainly are very much in the conversation there. Um, he has the ability to pull away from safeties, and, and on top of that, he, he – plays with a high motor, and he plays with power, too. I mean, he's got a good frame for blocking, and he's the total package when it comes to the tight end position. Not quite as big, obviously. Not really as close to as big as Darnell Washington because I don't know who is at that position, position other than maybe like Leonard Pope back in the day. But man, he would be an incredible one-two punch. to the tight end position. The things that we could do offensively if we just have enough imagination to do it, and I'm very hopeful that Todd Munkin does. If you look at his background, he has been able to use tight ends. Now we've said that with James Coley too, and we saw how that worked out. Uh, That was rough. But uh, I want to believe that Todd Munkin has... Uh, the ability to use these tight ends and the way that you see them using the NFL right now, where they're wrecking up over 100 catches, over 1,000 yards. You have multiple tight ends doing that every year now. And I think Bowers can be that kind of guy. I'm really, I'm that high on him. And, and maybe I'm overselling him a little much. I, I don't know. But when I watch this guy play, I see a, a future star. I, I really do. I, I see a game changing player in the tight end position if you get him in the right system. And I don't know if we have the right system yet because we have yet to see the Tom Lincoln system here in Athens. But If you look at his track record, I think he's the kind of guy that really finds a way to get his best players the ball and to feature them and to get them matched up in ways that will uh, create some opportunities to make some big plays. And I think Bowers will be just another weapon for Munkin to work with. Okay, moving on, let's go to the defensive side of the ball here. Next up, we've got Barrett Carter, inside linebacker out of North Gwinnett here in the state of Georgia. North Gwinnett's been a really good program for a long time. And Barrett Carter, man, he continues that tradition. He is a really, really high level inside linebacker, and you guys know. I mean, if you listen to the show, and I know most of you do uh, consistently. I, I, I love, it. I love linebackers. I'm an old linebacker myself, old linebacker coach. I love them, uh, and I just I love breaking them down. Love everything about linebacker play. And Barrett Carter, um, he, he gets me excited, man. And unfortunately, it seems like he's trending towards Clemson right now, I, and I, I don't know if that's where he'll end up or if he does commit. Is it over for them? Usually, with that, like with with the rare exception of of maybe. Corey Foreman, who we'll get to here in a little bit. Most people, most players don't decommit from Clemson because they have the whole thing where once you commit, we're committed to you, you're committed to us, you don't take any more visits, that whole thing. So if he commits to Clemson, it might be over, but uh, that's fine. But as of right now, until he pulls the trigger and goes somewhere else, he's going to be on my my most wanted list because I really like the guy. I think he's an incredibly talented player. Um, There's two linebackers really that are high on my list right now. And I'll go ahead and mention the other guy who's in. I'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. And the other guy at inside linebacker is Smale Mondin. And I think Barrett Carter and Monden are both similar in a lot of ways. I think Carter is the more polished of the two right now and more ready to contribute at inside linebacker right now. Like if both those guys are on the roster right now, let's say last year was their senior year and they were going to be on the roster as freshman this year, Barrett Carter would be more prepared based from a technical standpoint, just a, a pure polished standpoint, and understanding how to play that inside linebacker position. He'd be more ready to contribute right now. But I do think that Smail Mondin has a higher ceiling once he figures things out. Uh, they are similar in that they're both really explosive inside linebackers or silent sideline type players with the ability to play downhill. They're both three down inside linebackers. And Carter, I mean, he, he's he got the goods, man. Like He is incredibly good. If he doesn't go into Clemson, that's going to suck because I'm not going to be one of those guys says, oh, well, he's not that good anyway. No, no, Barrett Carter is really good. Even if he doesn't end up in Athens, wherever he goes, he's going to be really good. Uh, he's explosive. He's He is one of those new age inside linebackers, and I'm very, very high on him. And we were leading for him for a while, um, but things happen to recruiting. Clemson's a really good program as well, and it looks like he's trending there. Now, certainly we do have time to get him back into... I don't want to say the full because he's never been committed here, but we have some time to potentially still recruit him and kind of pull him back towards us and maybe pull him a, a little bit further away from Clemson. But right now, it doesn't look great at the moment, but we're still recruiting him. I know that, and he's a really, really good player, so he's going to make my list for now. He might be one of those guys that's off the list in the next update, but right now, he's certainly on there. Uh, all right, so we're to the halfway point. And number five, we've got defensive lineman Corey Foreman. speaking of Clemson, this is the guy who was uh, recently committed to Clemson for a while, but then he, uh, over the past couple weeks, decommitted to Clemson, the very rare Clemson decommit, and his rationale was, was essentially, I mean, flat out was based around the idea that he wants to take visits. I think his quote was, I've earned the visits, and I'd Actually agree with him. I, I think these guys should be allowed to take visits. This is a once, in, literally a once in a lifetime opportunity for them, and they want to make sure they make the right decision. I I, I kind of get where Clemson's coming from because it's tough to to pour so many. Like once you get these guys committed, it's tough to continue to pour so many resources into them, and you still got to go out and recruit more and more guys. But I also, I mean, I I kind of get both points of view here, but I, I kind of side with the players here and just make, to make give him the chance to make sure that he is making the right decision for himself. So basically, he wanted to take visits. Clemson told him, well, you can't be committed here and take visits, so he decommitted. It doesn't mean he won't end up at Clemson. He very well could. It's not like that bridge is completely burned, but he wants to take visits, and he's looking around, and we are certainly in the conversation I'm, I'm not saying we're leading I'm not saying we're in the top two the top three or anything like that but we are recruiting him heavily I know some of our current commits are recruiting him for us doing all that kind of stuff uh, behind the scenes but I, he's certainly a guy that we're we're, we're going to give our best shot to and I know you're probably thinking, wait a minute. If you got, if you know the name Corey Foreman, I'm, I'm sure if you pay attention to the to the headlines a couple weeks ago, yeah, he is the number one rated player in all of America. So you're probably wondering why in the world is Corey Foreman number five on my most wanted list when he's number ranked when he's ranked number one nationally? Shouldn't he be number one on my list? And I'll get to that in a second. I will answer that uh, uh, that point. But uh, just to break it down his game here real quick, he's a very powerful, very violent defensive lineman. Very good athlete for his size at 6'4", 265. Very polished in the use of his hands. Plays with a really high motor. Plays with great passion as well. A lot of times, these high-level prospects, you don't always see the great passion for them because it just comes so easy for them at that level. But I really I really appreciate that in a football player. That's actually, actually something that I look at and when I evaluate a guy, I think that, that can be a really strong indicator of who you're going to be at the next level. Because, hey, again, at the high school level, like I said earlier, all these guys are being recruited by all the top programs in the country. The fact is, almost every single night they're out there, they're the best player on the field, they are just physically more dominant than the guy they line up against, and it's just easy for them at the high school level. And If they, if they don't have the work ethic behind the scenes, if they don't play with the passion, if they don't have the desire, the, the grit, all that kind of stuff, when you get to the next level and all of a sudden you're going up against a guy that is equally as talented and as physical and, and, and gifted as you are, well a lot of times you might not win those battles if you don't have that passion, if you don't have that toughness, if you don't have that grit, if you don't have that work ethic behind the scenes. You could get passed up. Those are the guys kind of get washed out and get recruited over. You hear about this, you know, guys that are, that are five-star prospects, high-level, four-star prospects. Uh, people are very high on them. They come into a program, they never really make a difference. It does happen. I'm not saying it happens to all the guys, but it does happen. And you talk about guys getting recruited over. It's those guys that don't have that passion. They don't have that work ethic that drives them. And I think that Corey Foreman seems, and I don't know the guy at all. But he seems like when you watch him, he just seems like that kind of guy. And things here behind the scenes are they kind of lend themselves to that as well. So that's the evaluation. Now to the question of why do I have him ranked number five on my most won list when he's ranked number one overall in all of America? And here's what I would say to that. My question is, my concern is, where does he fit in our defensive scheme? And I know you say, well, if this guy that talented, you just get him and you figure out what, to, what you can do with him. I'm not saying we can't do something with him. Of course we can do something with him. But I don't know, honestly, from his perspective, I don't know why he would come here with our scheme. And so maybe that's why he's not as high on my list. I'm just not convinced that we're really that much of a player with him uh, because this guy is a prototype 4-3 defensive end. That's just the fact. He's a prototype 4-3 defensive end. And I'm not even sure, I don't think he's an outside linebacker in our scheme, at least not an every down outside linebacker in our defensive scheme. I'm going to give you some evidence of this. Like, think about the guys at the outside linebacker position the edge rusher position, the Sam and the Jack that we have on our roster right now and the guys we've had on our roster in in the recent past and their size profile, right? Aziz Ojolari are basically our three downs player last year at the same position, 6'3", 240 pounds. Nolan Smith, 6'3", 235. Jermaine Johnson, 6'5", 240. Adam Anderson, A little bit smaller than those guys, a little lighter than the britches, but 6'5, 225, similar profile. Lorenzo Carter, back to 2017, 6'6, 243. Devin Bellamy, 6'5, 245. DeAndre Walker, 2018, 6'3, 240. Those are the physical profiles of the outside linebackers, the Sams and the Jacks, those edge rushers in our scheme. Corey Foreman is 6'4, 265 as a junior in high school, all right? I think from a physical standpoint, he's probably going to be more of a five-tech in our scheme. If you just look at their physical profiles, look at some of the five-techs in our scheme, those five-tech defensive ends. John the Ledbetter, 6'4", 275. Malik Herring, right now, 6'3", 280. David Marshall last year, 6'3", 275. So I think that is where Corey Foreman projects in our scheme. He's 6'4", 265 right now before his senior year of high school. By the time he gets here into Athens and gets into a college workout program, that guy's not dropping weight. He's not dropping down to the 235, 240 range. If anything, he's going up to the 275, 280 range. That is a five-tech in our scheme with the potential to play uh, as a three-tech or a nose when we're like in our in our dime defense where we want to get our pass rusher on the field because he is a good pass rusher from the defensive line position. But that's why I don't have him as high on my list. And it's not a, an indictment on the kind of player he is. It's not an indictment on his talent. I think the guy is extraordinarily talented. I mean, you'd be crazy not I say he's talented. But if if he projects as more of a five-tech in our scheme, which he does in my, in my opinion, this is just my opinion... That five-tech position, it, it's a valuable position. Every position is valuable. But the fact is, like the five-tech position in our 3-4 scheme is not as much it's, it's just not as valuable as some of the other positions on our defense. It's just not. It's not as valuable as the Sam and the Jack. It's not as valuable uh, as a nose guard, really. Um, especially on standard downs. It's not as valuable as an inside linebacker. It's not as valuable as the star position, honestly. It's just not. It's probably the least valuable position on the on our in our defense it 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 has value we have to have guys that can play it but i don't know if it has as much value as some of the other positions kind of like like offensive tackle left tackle yeah well a left tackle and a right guard well they both play on the offensive line they both play on the offensive side of the ball but one position left tackle has far more value to it than a right guard because those guys are just tougher to find it's harder to find guys to play that position that have that size athleticism footwork combination they're tougher to find you can find guys to play the five tech uh it's tougher to find guys that can that, that are 6'3", 240 and can run in the low four five range right or that, can, that can also drop in coverage and i'm not sure that that we that Corey Foreman is that kind of guy he's a really good athlete i'm not sure he's a guy that drops in coverage i don't see that in his game at least not consistently i, I, I he can drop and play a zone he's not covering by a man if, if you get a running back matched up against him one-on-one in, in any sort of cover situation like good night. He's not winning that. That's just not what he does. Now, if you get him a, a matched up on a tackle as a four three defensive end and he's rushing the passer, yeah, that guy could be a problem. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I, I just don't know. You could say, but well, he could bulk up and play a three tech, sure. But he had to bulk up to about 300 pounds. Yeah, at about 35 pounds, and that's possible. He could do that. He's got the frame to do it. Uh, but I don't know if that's what he wants to do. So again, I, it's just I don't know if it fits in our scheme. And I think that's certainly going to be used against us. in in recruiting, I think I'm sure it probably is right now. I know it has been used against us at times with, with guys with that kind of profile, uh, where they, they would be a, in a 4-3 scheme, probably a defensive end, racking up the sacks, getting the numbers, all that kind of stuff, which certainly helps your NFL draft stock and all that kind of stuff. Whereas you play a 5-tech in our scheme, you're not really rushing the passer, not consistently. You're more of, a, of an edge-setting type guy. And uh, I think that does impact our ability to get him because he's just not going to rack up the sack numbers. And I'm sure he's going to want to do that because that's going to help him rack up the dollars when he heads to the NFL draft. So really, really good player. I'm just not as sure he's as big of a of a fit for our scheme defensively. But i still love to have him. And then we can certainly make use with him. I just don't know if he's... a. Uh, as important as some of these other guys that are going to be on our list the rest of the way. All right, that brings us to number four. Let's go back to the offensive side of the ball. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about Donovan Edwards. Now, we I don't want to spend as much time talking about Edwards because I did a whole show on running back recruiting about a month or so ago. You can check that out. I think it's called Georgia Football Recruiting Keeps on Rolling, something like that. So you can check out, check out that episode if you want to get more detail on The guys that we are going after at the running back position, and here we talk a little bit more about Donovan Edwards, but just kind of reiterate the things I've said about him in the past. Again, he's 5'11", 200 pounds, out of the state of Michigan, number 38, Nash in the 247 composite. In my opinion, he's the top running back in this class, certainly the top uncommitted running back in this class. And I have him inside the top five on my list, even though he's not necessarily a five-star prospect right now, because we definitely need to find him, in my opinion, that next great running back. I'm not sold he's on the roster right now. I think Zeus can be that guy if he returns back to his old form. And I just don't know where Zeus is right now in terms of his return from his injury. We saw it with Nick Chubb, Curtis and I talked about this last week a little bit when we were doing our ultimate starting lineup, and talking about how Nick Chubb was this incredible player in 2014-15. Obviously, has a terrible injury in, in midway through the 15 season. Comes back in 2016, works his tail off to get back but, and played, but certainly was not the same player. Was closer to being back to his old stuff in 2017, and is all the way back now, but it took some time. So I just don't know if Zeus is there yet. Zeus had one of the best high school tapes I've seen when he was healthy. Uh, and last year, I, he, he did some good things for us but he certainly was not playing at the level that I'd seen him play at before. So I'm waiting to see him get back to that. If he does, then Zeus is gonna be the next great Georgia running back. But I just, I don't know where he's at right now. I just, I want him to be there. I just don't know. I just, without, I would have loved to have seen him at at G-Day, that would have been awesome. But (laughs) obviously that wasn't gonna happen. So, uh, but we need to find the next great running back and hope it's Zeus. But if it is Zeus, Zeus, if it is Zeus and he has the kind of year that we want him to have this year, he's gone. I know it's only be a second year playing, but this is his third year out of high school. He's gone in the NFL, right? Especially with too many injuries, you want to go and you, and you want to, get to the NFL and make your money while you can because your shelf life is so short as a running back. So even if Zeus is the guy, we got to find that next guy after him. And maybe it's Kendall Milton. I hope it's Kendall Milton. But I think Donovan Edwards can certainly be that guy. And we want as many guys back there to compete and push each other. And as Kirby says, you know, iron sharpens iron. So you want to have as many guys back there as you can, high-level prospects, that uh, that will push each other and just let the, the best man win. But Domin Edwards, is he is the total package at running back. Uh, he's explosive. He has elite short area quickness, great receiving skills. He runs with a lot of power, great balance. I mean, he has everything you need to have in a running back. And I, I clearly think he's the top running back in this class. And we are certainly heavily involved with him. Michigan is going to be a player to the end. There's no doubt there. But we are doing everything we can, uh, from my understanding, to pull this guy in. And, and I certainly hope that we end up doing it because I think he could be a big-time player for us All right, moving on. Number three, on this next guy, I am fascinated by the possibilities of what he can be at the next level. And the guy I'm talking about is James Williams, a safety out of the state of Florida, 6'5", 218 pounds, number 11 overall nationally in the 247 composite. And I am, again, just fascinated by this guy. He is truly a rare and freaky body type. You just do not see guys that are 6'5", 215, 220 pounds, that move the way this guy does at the safety position Uh, you just don't see you just don't see safeties that big that can move like that you just don't and I've I've actually heard some people refer to his size and frame as a detriment they kind of saying that you know he doesn't have a natural position that that's that's the knock on him with the people who aren't as high on him and there are some people out there who are not as high on this guy the knock is that well you know he's He's kind of a tweener. He doesn't really have a natural position. He's too big and not quick enough to play safety in the next level, but maybe not quite big enough and the right physical makeup to play linebacker. And personally, this is just me. And I apologize. I don't mean to insult anybody if you are one of the people who think that way, but I think that's a little crazy. There's another phrase to use to describe a guy who has the attributes to play different positions on the field. It's called positional versatility. And as far as I'm concerned, That has become the name of the game defensively in the modern age of spread offenses. That's how you defend spread offenses. Uh, Because beyond just spreading defenses out, doing the obvious, right? The two other big innovations that have accompanied the spread revolution over the past five to ten years that have changed the game and forced defenses to adjust accordingly, those innovations are tempo and hybrid Offensive skill players, you know, tight ends that can play in line and also be a matchup problem in, in the passing game. I a Brock Bowers, I mentioned. Or, you know, in, go to the NFL, you got Travis Kelsey and Greg Kittle, those kind of guys, right? Those are hybrid offensive skill players. Or the running back that can be used as a wide receiver. A guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who used that ability to get himself drafted in the first round of this year's NFL draft because that's the name of the game now. What those two innovations allow offenses to do tempo and hybrid offense, offensive skill players those allow offenses to play with tempo and still move in and out of personnel packages without having to sub that's the key doing that without having to sub just look at LSU last year with Thaddeus Moss and Clyde Edwards Alaire they could go with those two guys that the hybrid tight end and the hybrid running back could go from 20 personnel to 11 personnel to empty, all without ever having to sub at all, which allowed them to create favorable matchups that just flat-out gutted opposing defenses almost at will all season long. And as a defense, the question becomes, how in the world do you deal with that? Well, in my opinion, the answer is pretty simple. You fight fire with fire. You match their hybrid offensive players with hybrid defensive players that allow you to match whatever personnel grouping they are in without you having to sub. And that's a big part of, for example, what made Roquan Smith so valuable. That, that dude was a true three-down linebacker. He could he could defend against the run. He could fit uh, fit a gap with the best of them, but he could also go out there, and you can line him up out wide, and you could have him cover just about anybody out there and do it very, very well. Uh, and here's another comparison, right? Do the, play the whole comparison game one more time. Now, be very, very careful here. I'm not saying that James Williams is Isaiah Simmons. I am not saying that. They got the linebacker, DB, pass rush, or whatever you want to call him from Clemson last year that went in the first round. But that's the type of versatility that James Williams can bring to the table. And I use Simmons and Williams as a comparison here because those guys have similar physical profiles. Simmons might be a, a, a little bit of a better athlete. I think he probably is at this stage. But Williams can allow us... To do a lot of the same things that Clemson did with Simmons to such devastating effect. You know, with Simmons, Clemson played him at inside linebacker, outside linebacker, star, safety, all over the place. And Simmons was six foot four, two hundred and thirty-five pounds this year as a junior. Williams right now is six foot five about two hundred and twenty pounds as a rising senior. He's a, he's a junior right now, and he'll be a senior next year. So, you know, give him a couple years, and I think he can be a very similar type player to what Isaiah Simmons was for Clemson. Now, I, I don't think James Williams runs a, in the 4-3 range right now. I will say that. I think, I think Simmons has a little bit better speed. But Simmons, the fact remains, Simmons has the physical profile, the size, and athleticism to be able to do a lot of the same things that Clemson had Isaiah Simmons do. So that's why James Williams is so high on my list. That's why he's inside the top three, even though he might not have a natural position. I, I'm not saying that's not fair criticism to say that he has no natural position the next level, I would just say it shouldn't be criticism. It's a fair observation, I would say, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think he should be criticized for that. I think that actually might make him even more valuable because it allows him to serve as that kind of hybrid defensive player to match the hybrid offensive skill players that offenses have just started to gut defenses with and those kind of guys are rare it's so hard to find a guy that can do all those different things it's much easier to go out and find a tight end that can play in line at least competently and go out there and and run routes it's easier to find a running back that can run the football between the tackles and also line up his receiver and have those receiving skills it's tougher to find a guy that can play safety and linebacker and pass rusher and star it's tough to find a guy that can do all those things i think james williams potentially can be that kind of guy, so I am extraordinarily high on him, and he's a guy that I certainly, certainly hope that we end up landing. It's going to be a tough battle because a lot of teams in the country want this guy, but uh, I know that we are very heavily in the mix and uh, have a very good shot to ultimately, hopefully, please land this guy. Okay, moving on. Two more guys here. Next up, uh, here's the other inside linebacker that I talked about. I talked about Barrett Carter a couple minutes ago from North Gwinnett. The other inside linebacker on my list coming in at number two in my overall top 10 most long list is Smale Mondin from Paulding County here in the state of Georgia. He's 6'3", 220 pounds, number 26 overall in the 247 composite. Now, in here, here's, here's another example of a guy kind of like Brock Bowers where there is quite a large gulf between where 247 has him ranked in their individual rankings and where Rivals has him ranked. 247 has Mondin ranked number 19 in their individual rankings, while Rivals has him currently at number 82, which I think is just ridiculous, but I fully expect Monin to rise in the rival's rankings as they release him this week, as I mentioned earlier, and that will accordingly move him higher in the overall 247 composite, so I do expect him to move up more as uh, we get towards the end of this week, but right now he's ranked number 26 nationally overall in the 247 composite, so in line to be a five-star type guy. Uh, as I said with Carter, just kind of reiterate that, I don't think he is as polished right now as Barrett Carter is, but I think his, his ceiling is higher than what Carter's is if Mondin continues to work and become a, a true inside linebacker. He has just freakish athleticism. He plays both ways at Paulding County. He plays running back and plays it exceptionally well, kind of like with Bowers. If if you didn't know this guy was a linebacker and you just turn on the tape and you saw the first couple plays where him playing running back, you'd say, oh yeah, this guy's a really good running back. But that's kind of his secondary position. He's really, he projects as a linebacker, the next level with that size and that frame. I do not have a verified 40 time frame. I couldn't find one, but I'd say just based on my naked eye for whatever that's worth. I mean, this guy's going to be low four fives at worst. In my opinion, I think he's got a potential to be in the four, four range. Uh, He has incredible range. When you see him play the linebacker position, moves effortlessly around the field, absolutely has the ability to be a three down inside linebacker at the next level. And honestly, and here I go again, making a ridiculous comparison, yet another one. But honestly, when I look at Smail Mondin and I look back at what Roquan Smith was coming out of high school, I think Mondin right now has better has a better athleticism and size combination than even Roquan had at the same stage in his career. Again, not saying that Smael Mondin is going to be Roquan Smith. It takes a lot of work to become that kind of player. But in terms of like where he is physically right now and where Roquan was the same stage, I think Mon is a little bit more advanced physically and has maybe a higher overall ceiling. I'm not saying he's gonna get there. It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of training to get there, but he has the physical skills and the physical profile to eventually become that kind of player. He absolutely has to learn to play the position. And because right now he's very, very raw at linebacker, extraordinarily raw. And he might not be ready to step in right away. In fact, I would venture to say he's not going to be ready to step in right away. Like I said earlier, if you put Carter, Barrett Carter, and Smell Mondin on our roster right now, Carter's more equipped to play right now because he's just closer to his ceiling. And he's more polished at that position. Mondin had, there's more of a gap between where he is and where his ultimate ceiling is going to be, but the physical tools are there. he just got to learn how to play the position. He's got to learn the technical aspects of that. And I have full faith that we will get him to do that. And look what we've been able to do at the inside linebacker position, developing guys like obviously Roquan Smith, but even guys like take Crowder, taking him from a running back to what he was eventually able to become. Mr. Irrelevant. Hey, got drafted, right? Monty Rice has made great strides as well. Quay Walker's made great strides. We're doing a heck of a job coaching up inside linebackers. Glenn Schumann has, has done an incredible job there, and uh, I and when we got Glenn Schumann out there recruiting, Glenn Schumann is an, is a heck of a recruiter, man. He is relentless out there in the trail. I mean, this guy almost almost landed Noah Sewell last year out of Utah, and I know you're saying, well, well, he didn't land him. There's no run, there's no prizes for runner up. Yeah, I get that, but to the, the, the think how close he was able to get to actually landing Noah Sewell when that dude is. A Samoan, and, it, and the reason I say that is like the in the Samoa community, family is extraordinarily important. And his brother plays at Oregon, he lives in the state of Utah. For us, with, with all those things going for Oregon, for us to get as close as we did to landing him, I think that says a lot about the kind of recruiter that Glenn Schumann is. And so, I, I think that we're, I think we have a really, really good shot to land Smale Monden. And uh, I certainly hope we do, because if we get him, I have a lot of faith in Glenn Schumann to also coach him up. You look at his track record here over the past couple of years, like I said, coach up those guys. I think he's the kind of coach that can get Mondin to reach his potential and become an absolute monster at inside linebacker. I mean, this guy, he's not there yet. He's raw, but the, the tools are there. You get him to a program, give him a year like we gave Roquan, and the light will eventually go off if he, can, if he just keeps working, which I think he will. And uh, I think this guy has the makings of a big time player. I'm talking a first round draft pick type player in the future. So very, very high on Mondin, no doubt about it. And that leaves us finally with our number one player on my top 10 most wanted list. And that is offensive tackle Amarius Mims, six foot seven, 315 pounds out of Bleckley County here in the state of Georgia. Number six overall nationally. Currently in the 247 composite. I think in the updated Rivals rankings, he was at number two nationally in their rankings. So he'll probably move up a little bit even more so in the national rankings, uh, the, the 247 composite overall rankings as well. But man, when you look at Marius Mims, here's what I'll say I wasn't sure after last year that you could find a more impressive looking high school offensive line specimen than Broderick Jones. But man, I got to admit, Mims might have him beat. He just might. I mean, Mims just has such an incredibly impressive frame. Not an ounce of bad weight on him. He can easily add more weight, and he will when he gets to when he gets to college. And it's just a very athletic build. And insane athleticism to actually go along with that very athletic build I mean, his footwork is off the charts he is a 100 true prototype left tackle he's a first round draft pick book it take it to the bank right now go put money on it this guy is a first round left tackle in the nfl draft in what four years i guess now it's gonna happen so uh i i, I have not number one on my list i mean there are other players i think are, that i'm very very high on as well i'm really high on smale mondan uh, I'm really, really high on James Williams, as I, as I detail, Donovan Edwards as well. All these guys I'm high on. They're on my top 10 list for a reason. But the reason I have Mims at number one is because I'm still very much a believer that you win and lose games at the line of scrimmage, especially in the SEC. To me, yeah, you have to have skill players. Don't get me wrong. You have to have a great quarterback. You've got to have receivers. We learned that last year. We, we learned our lesson last year, no doubt on that front. You've got to have those guys. But to me, the difference between Pretenders and contenders in the SEC and nationally is trench play. Look at Florida. Florida had a lot of a lot of skill players last year, but they weren't good on the offensive line. And they were okay on the defensive line fact was we were just better on both lines of scrimmage when we played four last year and that showed it's just the fact of the matter it's the difference between being a good team and being a playoff contender so you've got to have that and we've had that the past couple of years under Kirby Smart and we've got to continue to to keep the offensive line the defensive line keep, keep those trenches strong because if we don't then things can start to slide a little bit. And I know that we are moving to a different offensive scheme and we won't be maybe as dependent on the power run game, the pro style attack. But that doesn't mean that we can slide on the offensive line. No, we have got to have elite offensive linemen year in and year out. And Amarius Mims will just continue to add to that tradition. He is number one on my top 10 most wanted list. But all right, guys, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys sticking with me here and going through the list. I will certainly update this periodically as we go throughout the rest of this year. As guys start to, uh, um, new names emerge, as guys start to commit, we will have to adjust things accordingly and I will make sure to come back and do that when necessary. But thanks for listening, guys. I really do appreciate it. Curtis. We'll be back later this week. We have another fun show for you guys later on this week. Where we will actually be taking a Georgia football quiz. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So check back in with us later on. Thank you for listening. I'm Tyler. And as always, go, dogs.